and welcome to The Animated Journey, a podcast featuring interviews with animation professionals working in television, film, and games. I'm your host, Angela Ensminger, and I'm excited to bring you episode 22, interview with Tim Larson, animator for mobile game company Concept Art House. Tim and I were both students at Academy of Art, and we often hung out together in lab, and it was great having an opportunity to catch up and to hear his story and what he's been up to both at work and personal projects going on at home. I know that all of you will enjoy hearing what he has to say. So without further ado, on with the show. Today, my guest is Tim Larson. He is a lead animator at Concept Art House. Tim, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thank you, Angela. Thank you so much for being on the show. This will be a lot of fun because Tim and I go way back to art school, actually. So we're going to get to... uh, it's going to be like a blast from the past, talking about different things and how school was and how things have been since then. So I always like to start off with origin stories and how people got involved with animation. So Tim, where are you from? So originally I am from the East Coast, uh, from Maryland, uh, right outside of Baltimore in Westminster, and then went to lived there, grew up there and then went to undergrad school not too far away in Richmond, Virginia at Virginia Commonwealth. Excellent. And you were an illustration and graphic design major, correct? Yes, that is right. And what made you decide to major in illustration? What was it that led you to think, hey, art, that is what I want to do? Essentially, it was probably pushing for my for my parents' encouragement, you know, from, uh, from my parents for drawing. And then I also took, when I was younger, I took private art lessons with a woman named Barbara Schnell, uh, who lived down the street from me, and she was a really good at fine art painting. And so I would go there every Thursday night and spend an hour on painting there. And then, so actually, a lot of the initial like encouragement for doing art was was through her. And then in high school, I ended up really liking the art teachers there at Westminster High School. And then by my senior year, I had managed to make it, so I was almost taking nothing but art classes. So. So I was at that point, I had kind of decided by the time I reached my senior year in high school that I would just I would go for art because I eventually I was taking nothing but art classes. Now, that is fascinating because a lot of people that I talk to, a lot of them, they only had one art class in high school. So how was your school set up so that you were taking almost all art classes? Oh, yeah. So actually, in the beginning, uh, so I had been uh, taking classes with Mrs. Schnell, but then actually I... In the beginning, I didn't take too many art classes in high school because I thought I didn't have as much to learn from them. But then once I started taking the classes, I found out that actually I really did have a lot to learn from the art teachers there. And I ended up taking like, independent study ceramics to learn how to do, uh, you know, throw on the potter's wheel as well as the drawing classes. So basically, I finished everything, all my other required classes earlier and then, and then took everything that was art related by my senior year. So I was just had, had ceramics, painting, like a design class. That's excellent. That's really good. That just goes to show the power of art education. Yeah. And so then, and then I was, I guess, uh, still on the fence about it. And, you know, my dad wanted me to become something more stable. And so I went to, I chose Virginia Commonwealth because it was mostly, it was a medical school as well as a art school and had become a university. So the medical department and the art department were both, you know, really strong there. So I was like, okay, I'll become a doctor or else I'll become an artist. And I, I took I took one human anatomy class 
and it was a little bit beyond what I had studied in high school. And so I was like, oh, well, I'm already taking a lot of art classes. I think I'll stick with this. <laughs> and so... And so I took, basically I used the, uh, the human anatomy to learn figure drawing and learn how to draw people better. So it was still helpful. That is fascinating. And actually your story has a very common thread going through it, which is I've interviewed a lot of people where they started off in the sciences, usually because one of their parents was in the sciences or was a doctor or some kind of professor or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they were on the science track and some of them majored in science and graduated with a degree and had the plan of becoming some type of doctor, medical professional, and others decided early on, why no, I I don't want to do the sciences, even though they're interesting. I would much rather going to the art field. Yeah, that's interesting. And I think there's also a lot of crossover between the arts and sciences where for art, you really have to do a lot of research and and research into how things look and how things are constructed as well as how things move. So I think a lot of, especially animation, uh, is really a lot about physics of trying to think how different things will react to each other. So I think you're still kind of exploring the same problems, but with a different end goal. That makes a lot of sense. And it just goes to show like how the two can be connected. Now, once you decided that you did want to pursue art, did you know what type of art you wanted to focus on and what kind of artist you wanted to be? Or were you more interested in, I just want to learn as much as I can and I'll figure it out once I graduate? Oh, of course. I wanted, I wanted to be a fine artist who, you know, just exhibits in really fancy galleries and has a beret and, you know. <laughs> <I'm> a, <laughs> of course, I wanted to be a very, you know, highfalutin uh, fine artist. And then, but I, I realized that it probably would, that was a little bit, a little bit too too difficult to attain. Maybe so. I, a little bit more practically, I went for illustration, which I think is just slightly more practical than fine arts. And so I studied that. And then, actually, in undergrad school, the last year I was there, I took some electives in animation. And then it kind of like reawoken like a passion I had for animation that I hadn't even really thought about while I was, while I was in school. I was trying to improve my drawing ability. And then once I took animation. The one thing I, that really drew me to it immediately was that sometimes, you know, you'll uh, work on a painting and then you finish it and it's kind of, it's done and it's maybe as far as you were able to get it. But then I find that animation, uh, you can always keep tweaking it and improving it. And then later, even if you, if someone else looks at it and makes, makes a suggestion, you're able to improve upon it. Sometimes just the way something moves without, without having to redo the whole thing. So I find it, it really lends itself to constantly improving it. And uh, that's, something, that's something that I like to do where I, for a lot of times a painting, I'll never feel like it's finished. I always want to keep, I always want to keep improving it and keep working on it. And so I find that animation allows me to keep pushing it further. That's excellent. I like what you said about that, about just the process of it and figuring out how everything works. And I take it when you were a kid, I mean, did you watch a lot of cartoons as a kid? Was that something that you were, because you mentioned, you know, kind of like a rekindling interest. Was it something you were really interested in and then it had kind of gone to the wayside a little bit or had you always been interested in it? Yeah, I think maybe I had always been interested, but didn't realize that I could make it into a profession. I was thinking that if I can if I get good enough at drawing, I can maybe have different avenues to go in with painting. But I guess I 
I hadn't really thought too much about, about how I could become an animator until I started taking classes in it. But when I was younger, I think every day after school, I would go home and I would watch Looney Tunes and Animaniacs. And when I, you know, elementary school and middle school, I would watch Batman all the time. There was like Batman the Animated Series, which was really kind of more serious and darker of a cartoon, really like design oriented. And I really liked that. And so, yeah, so as soon as I started thinking that animation might be a possible avenue, it you know, kind of rekindled the, the memory that I've already been studying it so long, just sitting in front of the TV after school. You know, all those years I've been subconsciously absorbing all of that animation. I know that feeling well. So you graduate. You have a degree, you're ready to go out there. You have all of these fine art skills with painting and illustration. You also know how to animate. So then what happened next? Uh, so essentially, I, I learned I can always improve more and need to learn more. <laughs> but yeah, I, I guess I moved to San Francisco, finished grad school at the Academy of Art. And then, and then basically I was doing freelance uh, for a while until I got a job at Concept Art House right downtown in San Francisco. And uh, since then, I've been producing a lot of the, the artwork for the different games, as well as uh, doing animation and some of the painting. And what was it that led you to realize, you know, there is always room for improvement and there's more that I want to learn? Like, what led you to decide to go back to school? Yeah, after undergrad school, I had been doing illustration, but wasn't really getting very far as a freelance artist with it, just really uh, small jobs, but nothing, nothing too significant. And then actually, I think it was maybe even my brother had mentioned to me that, you know, he was thinking that I was talking to him about how being a viable illustrator or fine artist is very difficult, takes a really a lot of work. And, and he was talking to me about how it seems like the new medium of art is, you know, is with all the movement, is with animation, where that is, as opposed to, you know, when people used to look at it before in galleries or on the walls in a church, now it's really much more gravitated towards the theater and, and watching films. I mean, uh, so, um, yeah, so essentially we were talking about how it was difficult to be a viable illustrator or fine artist as a career. And so we started talking about how it seemed like all of the the new art that um, that I've seen and uh, and that he had seen, the format you see it in is in at the theater, you know, is in films, and that seems like where the groundbreaking artwork is taking place. And so that kind of flipped on a light bulb for me that you know if I wanted to do something, if I wanted to be really working in the art field and be doing new stuff and really creative work, that animation was the way to do it because the biggest medium that comes across to everyone is through film. And so it seemed like a natural next step. I would always, in illustration, my goal was always to do storytelling anyway. And so, yeah, being able to actually then, you know, make the story physically come to life was, uh, was like a natural next step. And what made you decide to come out to San Francisco as opposed to going to like a school on the East Coast or maybe down in Florida or some of the other art schools out there? Just by chance, I guess, I, I applied to schools all over the country, and I knew I wanted to travel and go to a bigger city. And so the recruiter at the Academy of Art was really nice and personable, and the school had a good reputation. And so I figured that was about as, about as far as I could travel away from the East Coast was to go all the way to the West Coast. So I'd, I wanted as big of an adventure as possible. 
And you were a 2D animator, and I'm always curious for folks that decide that they want to do 2D, especially since 2D feature film isn't happening here in the U.S., although, you know, 2D television is having more of a resurgence. How did you decide to major in 2D as opposed to majoring in 3D? Uh, well, basically, I, since I had gone to school for illustration and, and graphic design beforehand, I really had very little knowledge of 3D animation, except for just being an observer of watching it in movies. And so I figured that I would, I would have to see how difficult 3D was for me to grasp, and otherwise I, my comfort zone was 2D animation, since I had already been drawing and creating my own 2D animations myself, and it was very much more closely tied to illustration than 3D animation. But then once I got into school, I could see how, how the two really worked hand-in-hand. Hand. 3D animation, the building block of 3D animation is, is 2D animation. So, you know, I, re I really always liked the, uh, that initial the concept of the work being created in 2D that, I mean, uh, so I really stuck with that. I really like, I really like that initial concept phase of, of figuring out how the characters move and give them personality and figure out the storyline. All right. That makes a lot of sense as well. And how did it compare having been, you had gone to school already, then you were out of school and you were out in the working world, getting your own freelance jobs, you know, writing your own contracts. What was it like to then go back to school and be back in a classroom? It was great. I really liked it. <laughs> it was it was much more, uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, if uh, you're kind of working on getting jobs, you know, on your own, trying to do freelance work, a lot of times it's easy to get in kind of a rut where you're only working on the work you can get and maybe it's not the most, maybe it's not your most ideal thing to work on, the subject matter. You know, you're not that interested in it, but you're just kind of doing it to because you're excited that it's a freelance job. And so the fact that I was back in school with a lot of people who were, I found, were even more talented than me, you know, and also a lot of teachers that assigned really difficult assignments, it was very inspiring to, it was very motivating, you know, to kind of get back to work and try to improve myself and see how far, how far I could push myself. And were you freelancing while you were in school as well? Or did you, were you able to get scholarships? How did you manage to be, you know, to go back in school and support yourself? Oh, yeah. So I, I worked at a restaurant. So I, I, uh, I, in retrospect, I really wish I would have pushed more for freelance uh, work while I was in school. But yeah, essentially getting the degree was my main focus. And, and, and the school has, was very, had a, had a pretty heavy workload and long hours. So as I'm sure you can attest to as well. So there was only so much I could do as far as trying to promote myself for freelance work while I was in school. I kind of had to, wanted, kind of wanted to not have any other distractions and just dedicate myself to improving my craft before, you know, before looking for uh, work again. And that actually leads to my next question too, is how did you manage your time so that you were able to finish your thesis? Because for our program, for the 2D animators, you have to complete a short film and yours was really good. You did a, a film called Rocket with mice going out to space, which was very entertaining. And you finished your film. And a lot of people, not everybody actually finishes their film before they graduate. So how did you manage your time so that not only could you finish all your courses, but so that you could also finish your film while you were also working? 
So it was extremely difficult. Yeah. <laughs> I probably did not manage the time very well. I ended up having, I think we had to have one minute of animation for the final. And I had made this epic story, even though it was about just two mice, they still had to fly in this rocket ship. And I think even before that, that was my scaled down story. Even before that, I had a really epic story with, with like zoo creatures running through the city and crashing buildings and so and so actually two mice flying in a rocket ship was a really scaled down version from my first idea and it was extremely difficult i did not realize how much work would go into doing the animation i i think we had one minute required and my animation ended up being four minutes long and i end up uh, so it ends it's still in black and white and so it's getting to color it never quite happened because because <laughs> it was such a long such a long animation but I'm happy with it, but it was uh, it was definitely difficult. And if I had to do it over again, I would have started working on my thesis day one. And as soon as I walked into school and <laughs> and not let up, and I might have been, I might have had a had a full color version at the end. That's all right. It still turned out okay. And I mean, I think it looks really good. And I, it's funny that you mentioned the scaled down version because I feel like that's what that's what happens with every single person whether they're doing an animated short or they're doing a visual development project, or I had a, a storyboard thesis, everyone comes in with basically the Lord of the Rings. You know, they're going to have this massive epic story with all these backgrounds and side characters, and then you actually get into the program, realize how difficult it is, and you go, what if I just had two people in a room and right. they just have a chat? And then it's yeah. over. Yeah, let's just do that instead, instead of this crazy thing with all these camera angles. Yeah, I think I, I just got back in touch with a friend of mine not too long ago, and he had mentioned to me that he had been thinking about how I'd, I was an animator, and he thought, you know, actually I've been thinking of, you know, writing like a, a story, you know, and uh, I'm not sure of the dialogue yet and everything, but he's like, maybe, you know, I could get your feedback on how, on how to turn it into an animation. And I said, well, make sure when you read it, act it out, and it shouldn't be any more than a minute long. And so, and he was like, oh, really? He's like, so maybe I shouldn't think about the dialogue. And I told him, start with the first idea. A, a guy walks into a bar, that's your animation. Stop right there. <laughs> if you can get that, if you, whatever, the, whatever the initial setup is, if you can make that work, then you're already, you're already onto something. <laughs> Success. That is yeah. what you want. Make sure that you can have your walk cycles and your acting be good, and then worry about what he's actually going to say. And if he's going to actually talk to anybody else. Yeah, right. Yeah, no matter what, he'll already be doing too much. You know, by the, by the time you draw it all out, it'll have to scale down so much. So then that leads to the next thing, which was, what was your journey like going from being a student, working on your film, to then, you know, you've graduated, you have your degree, you already have your illustration and graphic design background going for you. Now you know how to animate. What was it like to then try to get into the workforce? Uh, yeah, so then actually it was, it was a, definitely a struggle. It was probably about a, a good one-year struggle of just doing freelance work for different companies, doing uh, you know, just small animations uh, or artwork for different companies. And I think that, yeah, I got, I got burnt a number of times. But I'd also, I also had a lot of learning experiences you know, where, I would, where I would maybe either I would want to work on a work on something a lot, and so I wouldn't give. I would, you know, maybe take a, take a lower price to work on it. Which eventually I got a thicker skin, and I realized, okay, I really have to value my time and and make sure I get paid for it. And so, a lot of times, just starting out, you know, you're really excited to work on something, and sometimes someone will say, 
you want freelance as long as you'll do it for free. And so I found out that was uh, something I could no longer do if I'm going to try to try to be a professional that I had to present myself as being professional and, and always make sure to get paid for my work. And so that was something that took a lot of trial and error just to, yeah, just to make sure that, just to make sure that if I'm going to be a professional animator that I have to really support myself at it and just do it full time and throw myself into it. That's good to hear that you developed a thick skin because I know that's an issue that a lot of us have where we do want the work and we want to be, you know, a lot of times we want to be accommodating and I say this in quotes, you know, nice and whatnot, but it's not accommodating or nice or good to not get paid for your work. And so it's good to hear that as you were going forth, you saw that, you know, my time, this is my time and my craft and it's valuable. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of times I would, I think it happens to a lot of people where as soon as you start working on something, maybe a freelance job, you have another pet project on the side that you kind of never have time for. And you sort of wish that you would be working on that one. Well, the freelance job is not, does not pay you very well, then really it's probably in your best interest to work on that the project you're passionate about because that maybe will take you in the right direction as opposed to a freelance job that isn't quite in the right direction and you're not wholeheartedly into and doesn't pay very well. So a lot of times, a lot of times, yeah, it's very easy to get sidetracked by an opportunity for doing a freelance work. But if it's not, if it doesn't help your end goal or really uh, if it's not in the, in the direction you want to go, then a lot of times it's, it's not worth it. And it's better to just focus on, on the work that you're really passionate about that you have for yourself. How did you find your various freelance jobs? Oh, a lot of times uh, searching on, uh, on the web, indeed.com is a good one. Uh, the Academy of Art actually had a really good career website. I think you have to have a paid membership now, so I haven't used it in a while. But, but actually, but that one, for a while, as soon as I got out of school, that one was really good because it, it catered only to uh, students and students who had just graduated. So a lot, of the, a lot of the work on there was not quite as competitive. So not quite as high paying, but, but at the same time, it was easier to get responses and, and to land some of the work. So that one, uh, yeah, that's good. And then, um, yeah, and then basically LinkedIn, just uh, networking with, with friends and other people in the industry. And you mentioned you developed a thicker skin and knew what the price point should be. How did you figure out how much people should be paying you? And how did you figure out what you needed to make so that you would be able to not only barely get by and subsist, but also, you know, make a a decent standard of living? Yeah, so I would say that I didn't have a, didn't have like a, a set really like a set math equation to figure out how much I would need to, to earn each month. But I did find a lot of times I would figure out about how many hours I would think that the work would take me. And then and then basically I would think about how much I wanted to get paid hourly. And so if I had a set rate that I wanted to get paid hourly, and after I bought all my materials and everything I need, if I can still get paid that rate, and then then that's good. And if not, then sometimes have to pass it up or think, yeah, maybe I will, if I really like the project, you know, take it at a lower rate. But essentially, yeah, I, that, that was always my method is figuring out what will my hourly rate be and, and, you know, will that be worth my time? And what were some of the jobs that you really enjoyed doing? Hmm, let's see. Oh, one of them I, that I really enjoyed doing was one for this startup company called Amara Energy, where they were 
And so they're developing a device to uh, charge like the battery in an electric car remotely. So you kind of, you drive over this, you drive over like an energy pad in the parking space. And while you're gone, it'll charge your car. You don't have to plug it in. And so they were looking for ways to advertise this product. And so I got to work with them on, on storyboards for storyboarding the, basically the ads that they would use to pitch it to investors to try to get the, the project up and running. And so that one was a lot of fun because I got to do, um, essentially I got to, well, I got to practice drawing cars a lot and as, which, uh, which uh, was a lot of fun as well as little characters and, you know, and get across some like really simple ideas of the benefits of the electric car. So I kind of got to feel good about working on a green product as well as, as well as pretty much they gave me creative freedom. They didn't have a, a huge idea on how to market it. And so it was really fun coming up with the different pitches with them. That's good. And as far as projects that weren't so great, are there any, besides them wanting to say, it's freelance, it's free, are there any telltale signs that you began to recognize that were red flags to you of this company or this person may not be on the up and up? I would say that uh, a lot of times if, uh, if I wouldn't find out what the entire scope of the work would be, that was always not a good sign as well as a lot of times if the yeah, if the, if the person wouldn't have like a set idea of exactly what they wanted, then that was difficult as well. Oh, and and, and maybe um, even another way is that if they would try to get me to do something outside of my skill set. So essentially, you know, sometimes you really want to take a freelance job and they said, well, okay, you're going to have to do a little bit of, you know, maybe you're going to do a little bit of 3D rigging of this character. Well, if that's not something that I'm the strongest at, then I found, you know, that sometimes there's it's not not necessarily good to struggle at something that you're not as strong with as opposed to just working strictly at what what your end goal is. You know, if it's if they ask you to do, you know, sometimes people lump all hard work in together, but if they ask you to do something that's a little bit outside of your skill set, sometimes it's just not worth it to try to struggle and figure it out to create a product, you know, an end product that you're not totally happy with. It's better to to go with what you're strong at and that way the person who hires you for the job feels really confident about what they get and you have something that really can move you forward in your career direction. It sounds like what they're trying to do is rather than pay two people to work on something, to try to get one person to do both, even if that's not really their specialty to do that second thing. Yeah, right. And I think sometimes people don't, well, maybe not realize uh, how much goes into it with the different programs you need to know for 3D, as well as, and also sometimes the the skills you need to know for 2D. And if someone's an animator, sometimes they'll think, well, the, if you need to know this program, well, you could probably figure it out. But you know, a lot of times, as you're fi- if you're trying to figure out a program while you're working on something, you won't always get your strongest product by the end until you've maybe worked on it a few times. So trying to explore uh, a new skill while getting paid for it is, you know, is risky. Yeah, that sounds risky because it's kind of like, all right, let's try this. Oh, just messed up what I was working right, on and yeah. have to start over. It's like, okay, great. Yeah, and then you, then it's really hard to factor in how much time it's going to take you when it's, it's something you're not familiar with. And then even if you can figure it out and then muscle through it, sometimes you it'll take you a lot longer than expected. So you ran the gamut of various freelance jobs and along the way figured out what you wanted to do, what you didn't want to do, what you need to be paid, what you need to look at and say, nope, that is not a job I want to take. How did all of that lead to you getting your job at Concept Art House? 
Uh, well, essentially, yeah, I got the uh, the job at Concept Art House through networking. I, I knew a couple of people uh, at the company, and as well as I think the majority of the artists at the company had gone to my school, the Academy of Art, already. So a lot of people were from my same background at the company, and yeah, and, and essentially it was just a lot of applying to all different places and uh, lots of lots of rejections until finally I found a place that fit probably took like a good 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 like six months to a year of searching now i found that when you're applying for different art jobs if if somebody sends you a rejection letter that's a great thing that's that's wonderful you want the rejection letters because that means somebody has taken the time to look over what you've sent to them and respond to you which is always nice that means someone has taken you seriously and has gotten back to you and so eventually the one the only other thing better than the rejection letter is the uh is somebody requesting to interview with you and so eventually, that's what happened to Concept Art House, and, and then I just worked my way up at here. That's a good attitude to take, because often you, look, you think of rejection as, oh, no, they don't want me. But you're right. What it means is if you're getting a response from a human being and not just some auto form letter, you know they actually looked at it and they actually know who you are. Right, yeah, and then that person will maybe remember you next time for if uh, if you apply again or or if they move to another company and see you again. They, it's always good. It's it's good advertising just to have have your name just keep coming up and and for them to see that uh, you're really just ambitious and trying to go for uh, and you're very serious about your craft. Then if they don't take you, then eh, it's no big deal because you just keep applying everywhere until you find something that fits. What did you find that you needed your portfolio to include for people to start sending you first the rejection letters and then offers to come into interview and then eventually your job? Oh, well, I would say one thing is always is always the resume. For as soon as I talk to the I always make sure that my resume is is on my portfolio for so they can look at my experience as well as when I initially talk to them, I, I try to make it as easy to get to my portfolio and I attach my resume right away. So to give the person who's looking the least amount of work to do to be able to, to see, you know, the kind of work I create. And I think the probably the the most uh, important thing I learned to what include in my portfolio was probably what not to include, where I would a lot of times put up some some sketches that I liked or, you know, or some personal project that I'm working on, but perhaps it's not the, the strongest work that I had, or it wasn't quite in the right direction for what an employer is going to be looking for. And so a lot of it was removing. I've, I've found that whenever I try to put something new on my portfolio, I also remove something too, because I may feel really good about it at one point, but then if I look back a, a couple months later, you know, I start to, I see work that, uh, that I'm, my skill level is exceeded beyond and, and that no longer represents me. And so it's always good to just take as much off that will mislead people and to think that if that's not something that you're going to deliver them to them today, you shouldn't really have it on your portfolio because it's, it's no longer relevant. That's a good track to take. Cause I know that especially right out of school, Sometimes it's this idea of I'm just going to throw everything out at the wall and see what sticks because you don't really know yet what is or is not going to stick. So you go to interviews and you say, here is the compendium of everything I've ever done that's art related. And it's overwhelming. It's like people don't really know what to do with all of that. 
Right. Yeah. And then sometimes I would have in my portfolio, my really strong work in the beginning. And then by the end, I would think like, oh, here's like kind of a chronology of how I've grown. You can see here's one of my first drawing classes. I had like a really good drawing. So I put that in there at the beginning and then put that just at the end of the portfolio. And then a few years later, I had some other sketches that were really good. I put those in there. But then and then my newest work. But after the person looks through your newest work, and if they keep scrolling through that old work, the quality level is going to go downhill, and they're, and they're going to kind of forget about the first things they saw and think, oh, actually, actually, this person's very much a junior artist, even if it was something you did a few years ago. Ah, so bottom line is they don't want to see your personal growth. They right, just want yeah, to know yeah. that you've already grown. They want to see the tree. They don't want to yeah. see the seed and the sapling that the tree became. Right. Yes. Yeah. It's much more impressive just to see the tree rather than <laughs> rather than the, the sapling growing up. Yeah. It's like here's my awkward phase. It's like no, we don't want to see any of that. Please right. Yeah. N- yeah. No one. No one's buying the original iPhone anymore. You know, they only want the iPhone Seven. You know, so mm-hmm. they don't want the little the one with the click wheel. It's like we, right, we've yeah, gone they, past they, that. Yeah. No one's interested. Yeah. Like in the in the iPod anymore. So no sense in keeping it. So it's not on the website. You won't find it on their website. I wouldn't think. Exactly. So what are some of the projects that you have worked on now that you're at Concept Art House? A lot of what I'm working on right now is a lot of slot machine games, actually, for different companies, because um, I guess that's where the market is in 2D animation right now is casino games for, for the phone. And so I've been working on a lot of slot machine games, but I work on a variety of projects, maybe about 10 different projects at a time. And so I would say a few of the others are um, like vector environments, as well as animated characters for different applications. Let's see, and then some of them are just uh, well, and then also, and then it kind of goes hand in hand. Where I'll work on a lot of a lot of painting as well, digital painting for backgrounds, and and different characters and props, and then and then then uh, kind of develop the look of those, and then and then they become animated. So that's a lot of times is a lot of fun is to take a is take a, something that's just a concept sketch of a character and then bring it all the way through to um, being like a really nicely drawn 2D character and then and then handing it off to someone to model it in 3D and seeing it really come to life or if it stays in 2D to be able to have the opportunity to do that myself and and you know bring it to life in and see it in the game. And is that typical at 2D game studios where you're working on a wide variety of different tasks because you mentioned, you know, prop design, character design, environment design, or is that more a reflection of because you know how to do all of those things, they feel comfortable giving you all those different assignments? Uh, yeah, so I think that, yeah, at the typical uh, game company, you would work on, it's a little bit more specialized where, because it's, it's a big team working together. And so you might have, maybe if you're doing the, all the concept art for the work, then essentially you'll just keep creating concepts. Whereas at my work, I do a lot of art production where we have a whole team of artists who will sometimes will take like my concepts and then run with it and they will create the final artwork. So a lot of times, for instance, I'll create all the storyboards for the animations and, and figure out how they should how they should act and the different effects that we should use in the animations. And then another and then another animator will take what I have created and they will create the animation and then I will take it back from them and rework it until it's, you know, matches the vision of the client. And so, yeah, I think that's kind of a, uh, that's one nice thing about Concept Art House is that it is a, a little bit smaller of a company. So I get, I get to work on a variety of different projects as well as, yeah, the fact that they essentially, they do 
art work for a lot of the big game studios and there's just a lot of a big variety of projects coming in through the door and so if it's something that matches my skill set then uh then there's a great chance that I can work on really unique projects. And how do you keep all of those projects straight? Because you mentioned you're currently working on 10 projects at a time. How do you make sure that everything is getting the attention that it deserves? Excel spreadsheets. All right. <laughs> <laughs> the wonders of Excel. <laughs> no, right. so, yeah, so I mean, essentially I have, you know, I, I have all the different uh, production hours, you know, and the scheduling in like a spreadsheet as well as there's this great website that my company uses called Basecamp, which is, uh, is just kind of like a, you know, a board, a, like a forum for posting artwork and commenting. And every time somebody comments on something, I receive an email. And so uh, it's really a great way to be able to chat back and forth with the clients for comments and just give visual reference and kind of really hash out some ideas. Because a lot of times the clients are maybe on a different time zone or different part of the world. So it makes it keeps everything all together. So I'm not searching through emails. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's really, that's a great tool is having just a place to be able to post references and comments back and forth. That sounds good. So it sounds like the power of organization will get you through the day. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Staying organized is key. That's good to know, because I, I think that in school, sometimes there's this misconception that artists are messy and that they're not organized and that, you know, everything they do is just basically on how they feel and touchy feely. And I've found more and more that that is not the case in the animation industry, that you have to know how to be organized and how to be disciplined with your projects and your time. And I don't know yeah, if I that's addressed enough in school. I think you're right. Yeah, I, that's one thing I definitely have have learned uh, just working at a game studio where a lot of times I've you know seen like the concept artist here where we'll have to bid on how much time it will take to complete a project. And sometimes you you have an idea, but you haven't even developed the character or or you know there's some things that there's a lot of unknowns perhaps on what the character is going to look like. But then you think, well, I could probably create a character that will be likable. You know, in maybe about three hours worth of time, I could probably get a few sketches of something that's good. And, and so it, you end up having to be really practical as thinking, how long does my creative process take? Even though it's kind of a generalization, it really, uh, you, can, you can get fairly accurate with trying to think based on how long it took you the previous time, how long will it take you this time to come up with the idea for, uh, for a project and, and make it work. And speaking of projects... You got to work on one of the Angry Birds games. And I was wondering, how was that experience like now that the movie is out? Did, at the time that you were working on it, were they working on the movie as well? And did you guys have any input with Rovio about that at all? Or were they just two completely separate projects? Yes, it was two completely separate projects. Yeah, so uh, uh, yeah, essentially, um, yeah, I worked on a game called Stella Pop. So worked on that with um got to animate a lot of the the different characters the pigs and the and the birds and everything but then that's separate from the movie but uh but I do find that the fact that the movie has come out has you know is even better for the fact that I worked on the game you know my 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 parents 
called me the other day and, and he thought, oh, wh- which one of the uh, which one of the ones from the movie did you didn't you design him? And I said, uh, no, <laughs> but I just created a, a, a mobile game of something that was that was different. But, uh, you know, but the fact that the movies come out, it, it gives the wor- thing that I worked on that much more publicity. And I wish Angry Birds the best to keep going to make keep the game I worked on still going. But two separate things. But at the same time, I mean, uh, I love animation in all forms. So, you know, I'm excited about the movie as well as the different games they come out with. That is good. And then, you know, on a personal note, do you have any personal projects that you like to work on during your off hours? Uh, yeah. So actually, I, I know you had mentioned, um, yeah, another person you were saying is working on a children's book. I've been working on a children's book in my free time with an author as well. Um, and so that's actually something that I had before I started working at Concept Art House that has kind of just kept me going and kept me always drawing and painting and, and trying to improve. And so, yeah, so I'm very thankful to the author as well as that process of creating the children's book. Uh, so I've been doing that. And I actually have been working with a this company called uh, Velocity Circus, where in San Francisco we're doing caricatures at different events. So there's a lot of a lot of different tech events that just go on the city. You know, different companies throwing Christmas parties and things like that. And and they keep hiring me back to do caricatures at the different events. And so that actually is a lot of fun. And so I really enjoy doing that. That is good. And how did you decide that you wanted to do a children's book? I guess I've I've always wanted to do a children's book. I have multiple ones started of my own that are about still in the concept phase. And I've always had ideas to create. I always love storytelling, and I've and then uh, this opportunity came along where I had found someone looking for an artist, and I thought, well, here's here's someone to keep me motivated and keep me on track, where I can work, I can follow my dream of creating a children's book, and there'll be somebody else who's invested in it as well, who will help me see it through till the end. And so, so that was something that really drew me in. Where uh, you know, I'd always wanted to create a children's book. It was great to have somebody else who was uh, invested in it as well to make sure that we see it through. And are y'all going to be publishing it yourselves or are you planning on getting an agent or going through a company? Uh, So we're trying to get an agent and go through a company, but I mean, but that's difficult. So I mean, self-publishing is definitely an option. So that one, that might be a possibility. Uh, I know for self-publishing, you know, I've talked to some people and they had mentioned that, you know, it kind of involves a lot of legwork as far as, you know, you need to go to bookstores and really try to see if they'll put it on the shelves and promote it as well as kind of do book readings. And the author I'm working with thought, nah, I don't really want to do too many book readings. And I was thinking, oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. I'd love to do book readings <laughs> of the You're story. Like, I'll read it. So, yeah. <laughs> I'll read it. You yeah, can so, sit I'll... in the audience and clap. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Even though, even though it's her words, uh, but I really like her story. And so... And I enjoy just storytelling in general, so I'm excited about that. But uh, I think she'd probably prefer to find a a publishing house to, to do all the legwork. But either way, either way, we'll have it and we'll get it into print if we have to do it ourselves. And I saw too that you were in um, Society of Illustrators. Has that been really helpful for you in getting you know everything together for the book? I would say that was that's probably more helpful uh, before uh, a few years ago when I was just trying to figure out uh, what direction to take illustration in. And they do a lot of presentations and portfolio reviews different times of the year that are helpful for a student or someone just starting out to kind of hear other people's struggles and 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 also see a few successes on how they've been able to uh, get into the children's book industry. It's it's a very difficult thing to do, and so. 
you know, it's, it's a great source of inspiration and just motivation to keep working on the craft and see, see also what is, what's being picked up by the publishing companies now and what kind of, what artwork and stories are marketable right now. And you mentioned as well that one of your other personal projects is doing caricatures at various events. How did you first get that job? Oh, yeah. So actually, um, essentially, I was right out of uh, grad school uh, looking for animation jobs, but of course, also looking for illustration jobs. And I found one uh, working at a at a hair salon. At a hair salon, they were having a grand opening or uh, maybe I think it was actually maybe as an anniversary. And so they were looking for someone to do caricatures during their event. And so um, I applied and they had me had me draw one of the people um, in the office when I came in, they had me they they put a wig on one of their assistants and gave her some makeup and then they had me draw her to see how close of a likeness I could get and uh, they were happy with the the work I created and then yeah and then I ended up working at the event and and while I was there they had actually had that was where Velocity Circus was also hired and they had all these different performers there you know somebody making balloon animals and jugglers and unicyclists and it really blew me away how much how many different talented people were, were there so. I essentially asked the owner of the salon who who was in charge of all the other talent that was there. And then I basically went up to them and gave them my business card and then let them know that I was really impressed with, with what they had brought to the event and that I'd love to be part of future ones. And so since then, I've been uh, you know working on different projects with them for, for about the last year and a half. And that's great because you really took the initiative. I think that's really good because that's what it takes, you know, just seeing interesting things that other people are doing and just letting them know, I like what you're doing. Here's what I can do. Perhaps we can work with each other. Maybe we can help each other out. Yeah. So it was a great turn of, turn of events too. So yeah, so that one, the, the one of gig to do just the caricatures for the salon turned into multiple events for the past two years. And so that's, so I, I think kind of promoting yourself, you never know where it'll end up leading you. That is great. And so now, you know, you've had a variety of freelance jobs. You've done caricatures, you've done animation, you've done environment designs, props, casino games, mobile games, storyboarding. You know, since you've had an opportunity to do all these different things and personal projects and work for different companies, where do you see the industry going from all of your experience and from, you know, what you've seen other people doing as well? I would say the industry for, you know, so I work on a lot of mobile games. And so I think I see the industry for gaming going more towards virtual reality, where there's a lot of uh, virtual reality consoles that are coming out. And I know my office has one in the back room that we all can just use and try out. And just the beta test games for that are so incredible that, yeah, I really see gaming, gaming virtual reality uh, taking over you know, in the next couple of years, I think, I don't know about taking over, but it has become so realistic for virtual reality that I think, and it's just the beginning of the technology. So I think that will really become huge as well as I think that will impact the uh, the film industry where I, I wouldn't be surprised if in a few years people were wearing virtual reality headsets and consoles, you know, in the theater or at home to be able to see, to see new released movies because, because that technology has, seems like the the applications for it are very vast, and it's just beginning. Yeah, so I, I'm I'm interested in uh, in in seeing all the different ways that they can apply 2D animation as well as 3D animation and and movies to to that new medium of virtual reality. Has VR affected the way that 
you're telling some of the stories for some of the games that you guys are creating or the way that you're animating things or showing how things are happening? I would say not yet. As far as for my company, uh, because we're not really making too much work for virtual reality, but at the same time it is in, uh, I know it's definitely at my company, it's, it, it, it's being kept in mind that this is kind of where this is where the uh, the gaming industry is going, and so I think that um, you know is it, trying to figure out how to make the work that we do at, at my company, the all the really great painting and animation that we do, how to market it towards VR. And so, as of now, it's not really impacting me too much, but I think I see it very quickly, very very soon. I think it will change, you know, the kind of artwork that companies are requesting from Concept Art House. That makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense indeed. Well, Tim, now that you are where you are now, looking back, what words of advice would you have for younger Tim? Either Tim who was in grad school or just getting out of school or even back when you were, you know, an undergrad, what words of advice would you have wanted to give to yourself? Hmm. I would say uh, never work at a restaurant, always just animate. <laughs> 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 all the, yeah, just all skip the, that all entirely. The, just all, all the, art, all free. All, all the meals I'd served to other people, I should have just been drawing. <laughs> but but that's that's in hindsight. But I think uh, I think really just staying focused on on my end goal of being like a, an animator or or a creative artist, it would be probably the best advice I could have given my younger self. For a while, I worked and did graphic design, and it, it took like a good a good year of of working on it. Uh, and not enjoying it too terribly much to realize that I should just keep pursuing my ambitions and keep going further. You know, don't don't feel like I get my foot in the door and then just get stuck in the door and never and never actually enter the the room of you know enter the space and see like all the other possibilities that are out there to be as creative as possible and find a job that really pushes you and uh, and motivates you to create more work. That's a really good point. Because you hear that a lot of getting your foot in the door, but then you have to wonder, is this even the right door? Is this even the right room? I had someone say that I was talking to a friend over the weekend. He was talking about how, yeah, you know, you might kick in the door to get in the room and then you realize it's the wrong room and the room's way too small and you don't like right. anything that's happening <laughs> in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think that's, I think that's, that's really true. And I th- also think that, whatever room you're trying to get into is going to keep changing too. As soon as you, uh, you know, find the thing that you'd like to pursue, you're going to find something that's even, even better and more ambitious to keep pursuing. And I think that's, that's a great thing about the art field is that there's always, there's always something you can improve and another type of skill you can learn. It's just, it's just also staying motivated and, and keeping your eyes open to realize that I'm happy with what I'm doing, but how can I improve myself and, and make it even better? And how can I, and is there something that I, what, what's the next goal to attain? You know, so a lot of times I think artwork, it's, it's never finished. You know, you're never, you're never done improving. So the same thing with looking for, for different uh, career opportunities, you can always reach a higher level and, you know, based on, uh, you know, improve your artwork as well as an, improve yourself and improve your position. You've never fully scaled the mountain. There's always another right. mountain. <laughs> well, Tim, where can people find you online? Where can they take a look at all the different artwork that you're creating? 
Yeah, a great one is, well, um, I have uh, timothygvarson.blogspot.com is my portfolio. I also have a link to some, uh, some comics I've been working on, too, that's, that's linked to that same page, but it's uh, grandlarceny.blogspot.com, um, as well as you can feel free to contact me on LinkedIn or Facebook. I try to post work on there as well. Excellent. Well, thanks, Tim, for taking time out of your day, and it was really nice talking with you. Yeah, you too, yeah. This is really cool, and it was really inspiring, too, because I, I remember when we were in school and just talking to you in lab, and you were working so hard, and I remember when you were doing all your various freelance jobs. So, yeah, it's tough. You really stuck it through and, like, got things together. Yeah, and hopefully I can keep doing that. Yeah, as, as, I'm, ta- as I'm, like, talking about this, I'm thinking, well, this is a good motivational speak for myself you know this <laughs> i need to listen to this later and take my own advice and, <laughs> and keep you know and get to keep uh keep pushing myself also you know what almost uh, everyone has said that i've i've had people that oh, i've really? interviewed <laughs> yeah i've actually i've had people that i interviewed and they listened when i released their episode and they were like you know i was having a really tough day and then i listened to my interview with you and i listened to myself and i was like yeah, I can do it. I can make it. I'm tough. I can do this. I'm like, all right. See, motivated yourself. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, yeah, I think I'm going to listen to it later and I'll think, yeah, I probably should follow that. <laughs> that, that advice is best for me. <laughs> that I should, I should follow my own advice would be pretty good. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And let me know too, like when you're done with your book and you get that published and all set up, let me know when that happens. Cause I can always bring you back and be like, you may remember Tim from a previous episode. Now he has a book and he's here okay, to talk cool. all about his book. I don't remember if I even asked you too, but oh, yeah. how did you meet your author? Is, was this like a friend from school or like a friend of a friend? So it was, um, I met them through the Academy of Art website. It was just a job posting for independent author looking for, for an illustrator. And so, yeah, so the, the book is called Shall We Go Outside? And the, and the author is Rada, Rada Rao, R-A-O. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. I, I really appreciate it. And it's always nice to catch up and I learn more things about you too. And that's always really cool. Oh, and it's always great talking with you, Angela. And that concludes my interview with Tim. Special thanks again to Tim for being such a wonderful guest. Great talking with him. And all of you can check out his website on the animatedjourney.com website, as well as in the show notes. Make sure to check out what he's been working on. And if you've enjoyed today's episode, make sure to leave a review in iTunes. Every review helps. And also, if you would like to donate to the show, you can visit www.theanimatedjourney.com and you can click on the PayPal button on the right-hand side. Every little bit helps me pay for hosting and other technical costs associated with the podcast. And make sure to click on the sponsored links for the show. Amazon, Audible, Loot Crate, and Blueberry podcast hosting. Every time you click on those links and make your regularly scheduled purchases, those companies give a little kickback to the show. It's helped me out a great deal with keeping everything up and running. And thank you so much to everyone who has supported the show, either through leaving a review, donating through PayPal, or using those sites to make your purchases. I really appreciate it. And also, big news happening this week. It's the 2016 San Diego Comic-Con in beautiful San Diego, California. 
Preview night is on Wednesday, July 20th, and the con will be running from Thursday through Sunday, July 21st through 24th. I'm really excited because this is the first year that I will ever be going to Comic-Con. I'm looking forward to all the wonders and craziness and massive crowds, as I am sure all of you who are going are looking forward to it as well. Now, I'm not going to be exhibiting, so there's not going to be a booth for the Animated Journey podcast, but hopefully one day in the near future, I will have a booth, so all of you will be able to stop by and say hi. I'm looking forward to doing that in the future, but I will be walking around the floor and meeting a lot of different artists, and I'm hoping that you guys will have an opportunity to hear a lot of these different artists in the next couple of weeks and couple of months on the podcast, so I'll let you know how all of that goes. And I'll also be taking a lot of photos, so I'll be posting on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, so all of you will be able to join in on all the festivities. So for those of you who will be attending the con, either as exhibitors or as guests, I hope that all of you stay safe, that you have a safe flight or a safe drive down to San Diego. Make sure to stay hydrated and eat lots of healthy snacks. Keep calm and carry on, you know, Cons can be really fun, but there's a lot of people and there's a lot of crowds and there's a lot of madcap things happening. So, you know, make sure if you need to, to take a break, relax and just soak it all in and enjoy your time. And I hope that all of you who attend have a lot of fun. And for those of you who will not be attending, like I said, I'll make sure to post lots of pictures so that you'll be able to see what's going on down there and hopefully in the future all of you will be able to join in on the festivities as well. And you can follow the animated journey on Facebook by going to www.facebook.com slash the animated journey. On Twitter and Instagram it's at animjourney and on Tumblr it's www.theanimatedjourney.tumblr.com and if you want to check out what I've been doing lately you can visit my website www.sketchysoul.com on tumblr it's www.sketchysoul.tumblr.com on twitter it's at sketchy soul and on instagram it's at sketchy underscore soul so thank you all for listening i hope that you have an excellent week and as always be encouraged and have a great day everybody